That's fucking awful. Like. It is, isn't it? Right, okay, so... Ladies and gentlemen, this is the first of many podcasts. Motormouth, presented by Motorhouse, in association with uh, Mr. Jewel Clark over yep. here. Um, we're going to be speaking about a lot of things, live music, recording techniques, current affairs in the music industry. <laughs> <laughs> that makes no sense. Not personal ones. Not personal ones. No, no. not personal But yeah, so... Tune in if you want to listen to just a load of nonsense, basically. I mean, if, if you're into music, great. If you're not into music, even better. Jules here, he, isn't, he doesn't <laughs> have a clue about music. He's the, uh, well. you know, he sits, he's going to just sit on the fence and listen. We've also got Mr. Jack Wade on my right hand side now. Hello. Here he's here. Getting nice and close up to that mic there. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope I don't sound clacky. Clacky. When you speak to her, you're more like a, hello there, my name is Joel Clark. <laughs> No, I don't think I have. I think I sometimes hear me voice, and I think that's quite effeminate. But in the in the like inside in the, of your own skull, it sounds. Rock, you, you, rock, I sound fucking rock hard. You sound solid, solid, it's nice and deep. It is weird though when you hear your own voice played back. That's one of the main things that I was quite sceptical about doing this podcast. What just hearing but your own voice? Just hearing my own voice because I hate it. Because really. <laughs> Well, it, you love the sound of your own voice, Josh. No, well, everyone thinks that I like the sound of my own voice because I talk do. quite a bit. But when I hear it back, if I've done like radio interviews or whatever, I go like, "Oh, is that is that actually how I sound?" And it doesn't help that every time I'm on, me, me nana always tunes tunes in. She's like, she's like, I heard you on the radio. She was like, you need to start talking properly because you never talk properly. And it, to me, it's just kind of like. I'm like, none of that's that's who I am, do you know what I mean? I'm not going to, like... Even now, I'm probably making a conscious effort to try and sound less. Has anyone been counting Jordan's likes yet? Mike. Eh? Jordan's oh. likes. Like what? Like less Mackham. I said like, I said, oh, I said Mackham and like at the same time. <laughs> and it came out as Mike, and I've got a big mic in front of me face. Now, well. <laughs> right, so we're going to get to know the Motorhouse guys a little bit more, as you well know. My name is Joe. I'll be acting as producer for this podcast, um, and I will be the layman moderator. So, moderator, all round, just good guy, nice, handsome, tall, <laughs> masters, <laughs> master, <laughs> the so, master. The, I think that's what you ma- master of ceremonies. Yeah, that's the, it. The MA of ceremonies. The new title. Joe, what's your title? Have you got any official titles from just universities? Like, just like a Bachelor of Arts or something. It's just bachelor. Bachelor. <laughs> the Bachelor. The right. Master. What have you got, Jack? B-Tech National Diploma. <laughs> B-Tech National <laughs> Diploma. <laughs> Jack Weird, National Diploma. Yes. Oh, shit. me head. Um, right, so yeah, we'll just get so another... Ah, gu- uh, well... Um, right, so yeah, we're sat in the mission control room. Yeah, of Mortar House, mm-hmm. recently renovated. Six month white, six month dark blue, n- dark blue. No, it's with <laughs> it was IKEA for a little bit. We thought it would be a good idea. Like... <laughs> it was. We painted it blue and decided to put a big yellow stripe right round the room. <laughs> Just start wearing yeah, all of the truncheon <laughs> which the, uh, the 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 plugs are plugged into. We're like, ooh, well, like, wouldn't wouldn't that look really, really cool if it looked like wood? And we'll make it look like a seventies studio. And instead of like going for like a wood colour, we're painting a yellow, like 
But like it was the IKEA yellow, really, and, and, and the walls were navy. Is IKEA yellow the same as the mustard, isn't it? But it's, it's that kind of like it pasty. Was. It was awful. Like oh, and then we decided to paint it brown. <laughs> so can we can we just clarify? You've painted plastic trunk and with brown. What kind of paint, Jordan? It was, um, it was like matte brown. <laughs> and that's no wood effect, no attempt at wood effect, no knots, no nothing. No. We thought if we like run some streaks, like a, like a piece of wood, so it would look like wood. Only to six months later, be like, ah, I want a white like. <laughs> so yeah, it's back to being brilliant white again. But lads, honestly, you've done an absolutely class job in here. Like, oh, cheers, man. It Thanks, looks absolutely Joe. brilliant. It's super light as well, because formerly, I think Jordan and Jack were saying that there was a photographer in here who'd put some sort of filter yeah, film good. on the window so it was a bit dingy because of that anyway our good friend Andy Martin he used to have a this is his photography room and it was always nice and bright when I used came in years ago did yeah. he just have it like white other than the yeah other than shows? like the artwork on the wall and when we came in I don't know why I think it's because we didn't have anything on the wall we thought, oh, we're going to have to paint it a colour. But really, it was just sort of, right. it's all yeah. about just accessorising. I mean, there's a huge Victorian window behind the control desk as well. Because it used to be a Victorian school. Yes. Um, back, I mean, I think it was originally a church. And then it was a school in the late 1800s up until the 1950s. I mean, you would never know no, that no. this is in here. Especially the condition, I think. Because I think you were saying it was actually adapted for, like, call centres and stuff. Hence all of the trunk and then all of the ports and things like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And to stand outside, you've got the big wrought iron gate. You've got this big stone building. Well, if you just look, outside of the centre of town, go on, Jack. If you look above the suspended ceiling, there's just like there's another ten foot oh, void, uh, and, and you can Which see all the like old untouched, archways. isn't it? It's still yeah. all the like old stone archways and stuff just above the ceiling. It's class like. Which is a shame because we've just got this like suspended ceiling above our heads, and it will be. Nice to use it, but also it wouldn't be great for acoustics. That's the next project, George. Upstairs. Yep. We've got an upstairs. Oh, imagine putting another floor in. Spiral staircase in the corner. Oh, that'd be lift. You should just get like an industrial lift. I think we could save his I mean, We are also on the first floor as well, and all of the bands that come in. It also doesn't help as well, like me and Jack, when we finish doing gigs with our band, especially when you've had a few tinnies, you know before, during and after the show. And then you've got to load all of the gear up the stairs. It's like the yeah. worst thing in the world, like carrying... So do you want to explain like the situation in terms of the floor and how you share the space and what the original idea was for that? Yeah, I mean, so our, our studio and who else is in the building? Yeah, it's just, well, just kind of like how you have sort of come to the operation like as is. So obviously you started off with your own small space in here, having rented from somewhere else, from someone else yeah, I mean, who owned the building. I originally had the space under a different name. It was really small, more of a production suite rather than being a full-size studio with a big live room. Um, and then we, basically the guy who had the building was given up the lease. And then me and a couple of guys who have a film studio in the same building decided to take the lease on and then I asked Jack if he would be interested in uh, going into business and extending the studio because I just obviously I mentioned I'll be in the pub as as always <laughs> every good idea um, and I just said and, I was and like, bad idea yeah <laughs> I was just I just kind of said like oh you know I really want to extend the studio but the way I wanted to do it like it, was, it didn't feel. It didn't feel like I could do it by myself because of the ideas I had, and Jack just kind of uh -huh. went, 
I'll 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 date what you like. But I and 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 I knew because me and Jack have known each other for years and years, in the you know that Jack's experience and these skills that he's got, I was like, well, there's, there couldn't be a better person to do it with. The B- oh, thanks, George. The B Tech. <laughs> The, the beta, you know, <laughs> um, but it, and I think it is obviously like you know we've no, we're knocked like four walls down next door just to make the space bigger. Because um, I fell for over like twelve months when I come and visit, mm-hmm. it felt like another room had been operated like it been severed in half or had a partition taken away. It just felt like you were ever expanding. Mm-hmm. Like every time I came in, I think it had changed like once every two months. I think it was all just trial and error, basically. I mean, at one point, the control room was, like, open plan next door, and we didn't, ha- we didn't have the room. a semi wall in between it. Because that's, that's the last I remember it coming in before, yeah, before as is now, and you just haven't changed for a little while. Yeah. No, I, think, I think we're pretty happy with the... It's a good setup. The layout, not the layout of the studio and the setup, obviously, would, like, loads more gear, like, yeah. but... I mean, the, the room that we're in now, which is the control room before we actually moved in here, there was an artist which was using it for just kind of like store paintings. And when he left during like the pandemic, I just, on a whim, t- typical thing that me and Jack do go, she would just tap next door in as well. <laughs> and rather than kind of just joking about it and pushing it aside, we actually went, she would just date it. And I think like, I think actually what had originally happened is after one of these gigs that we've talked about where we came upstairs with like loads of gear and we'd had like loads of bevs, we like just put all the gear in the storeroom because <laughs> this wasn't our room so we just filled yeah. it with loads we of gear. We just used and this. That's the first room at the top of the stairs as well. Because so. uh, this is the first room at the top <gasps> of the stairs so <laughs> we just unintentionally occupied that room mm-hmm. and then it was full of our gear anyway so we were like, I will have to uh, we'll have to rent that room as well like, and knock a window in. Right. The but window really helps as well to see into the other room. Yeah, especially now that we've moved the desk miles away from it. <laughs> <laughs> so when we're recording, you can't actually do that. No, but I think the idea was is that you were kind of gearing this a little bit more towards the bands coming in. Well, so they can interact with what's going on here while they're kind of chilling. Because like, I'm sure people have seen photographs and stuff like that, but we'll try and post out a little bit more in terms mm-hmm. of the floor plan. But there's kind of like an L-shaped seating area with some equipment around it, sort of space to like hang out for people who aren't in there recording or whatever. And then the control unit is next to the window, like actual big mm-hmm. Victorian window, not the window to the studio. So he's obviously adapted it so this is more for people who are recording to engage with next door. Was that yeah. kind of like the end? Of, like... I suppose this has become a multifunctional space now for mm-hmm. bands to... Especially like fridge and whiteboard like, and telly and if we can post like an example of the floor plan that the room used to be like, it's ridiculous that we ever thought that that was a good idea. Like, yeah, uh, it was just like there was so much dead space. But we obviously what really did help was during the pandemic we were running, we still are doing the odd one, but like running quite a lot of live streams in the live room, and having the desk where it was in front of the live room window was really helpful because. We were watching the bands through the window. It would help that we weren't in the same room because of social distancing. Yeah. And obviously we could do the sound while watching the band at the uh-huh. same time. So I did like it, it did have its benefits, but I think it was quite pointless from a practical point of view of recording. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely like it's in the best place now. And I mean, in all fairness, you could have the control desk where it was, but 
buy effect or whatever knock on effect of everything else like yeah this is literally the best you could possibly i mean to look at the control i'm facing the control desk now and it's literally slots in there so perfectly it's an absolute no-brainer really the setup that you've got now mm -hmm. aside from the fact that you can't see and is that that big an issue no not really i mean you could set up a camera if you want and just have another monitor to be able to see inside if you i mean it, musicians sometimes they're not the most attractive people in the world anyway <laughs> no, i'm looking at one uh. <laughs> <laughs> no you're joking no, you've got it um in terms of like actually making each other where did this all start in terms of was it through education like music studying or was it through just kind of playing um, in bands or i was well the first day i met jack i was recording you were doing a um i was doing me an audition wasn't yeah it? for for lipper what does Lipper stand for? Liverpool Institute for Performing Arts. Right. I sat that off to be in a club band. <laughs> the dream, I say. No, I met John. John was recording a, an audition I was doing. Um, I think Tony Wilson, the music music lecturer, he put us together. <laughs> I thought you meant yeah. like Factory Records, Tony Wilson. Oh, that's a few Tony Wilson, isn't <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, I just, I just remember because at the time I'll have been about 19... And Jack was probably like 17, 16, yeah. 17. And I just remember he was just this kind of like, because like Jack, when he was younger, I was quite similar as well. When we were younger, we looked really, really young. Like, uh, like and I didn't have like, I didn't have facial hair or anything. Like, and Jack was in the live room and I was like, oh, who's this, this, this young lad? I thought he'd like came in from school or something. <laughs> I didn't realize he was actually studying there. And he had this like mad drum kit set up with like loads of class mics on it that he brought in because he's like always had all of his own gear as well. And I was just sitting behind the desk and, you know, I engineered the session and he was doing Let Me Entertain You by Robbie Williams <laughs> and Mustang Sally, <laughs> like two really contrasting tunes. And I was like, oh, the amount of, you know, especially when you're going through like college and you do like national diplomas, the amount of crap that like you've got to play. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, you, you're kind of used to that. And I just thought he was going to be you know, playing Mustang <coughs> Sally, but just playing like the worst groove possible. Like a bit like the way Joe Collins plays the drums from Vanderbilt. Stiff as a button. <laughs> really, really. Uh, and anyway, and he just like came in with this Phil. And I, I remember I was actually sitting. And who's Phil? Phil. Um, <laughs> oh, which, which Mitchell? Phil is it wasn't Phil Mitchell. Philip Schofield. Oh. Phil Schofield. Carry on. Anyway, so Jack he came in this Phil. I was actually engineering the session with um, a great guitarist called Adam Ironside um, and we both just t turned round and looked at each other and we were like like he can whack them drums like and he, but like in, in, in a very tasteful way elegant elegant <laughs> we're not just braying them <laughs> but and, and I, I just kind of like I just thought nee, wait. and especially going through you know like college and the experience of I'm not slagging other musicians up but you, you see what the standard of people who just come through school and think it's a really good idea to do a music course because right, they've picked up a guitar do you know what I mean and they're, going, yeah, yeah. and they're going like oh I'm going to be a guitarist or I'm going to be a drummer do you know what I mean it's because it was the best lesson to fuck about in in school wasn't it music uh, so oh, obviously Jack, did Jack, Jack had been in a club band with his dad since he was like 12 or 13 which actually I want to ask you about in a bit anyway. so uh, I w at, the, at that time I was putting together a band of just songs that I'd written myself with a couple of lads who I went to college with, and I just thought, oh, like, we were just, we were like two years above Jack. 
And um, we needed a drummer, and I just thought, oh, Jot will never please too good. That was the first thing that I, I thought, just because... So I just formed, like, you obviously knew each other, like, raised... Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, we just kind of, like... We, we, we went to New York together, because we played, like... Out, the drummer from our class had, like, left the course or something like that. Right. So we didn't have a drummer. And we needed to do a gig at the Newcastle City Hall, and then we were flying over to New York the day after to do a gig in the NYU, which is, like, the, the university in New York. And Jack was like, I'll I'll play for you, like, and I'll come over there. And so what was that for, the New York trip? It was, it was just our degree, degree, wasn't it? Yeah, so I was so going to say, there's a lot of kind of, st- especially with, like, creative stuff. Like yeah, You tend so to get a lot of trips where it's like, oh, you go and visit these people. But at or the time, I was, on the, I was only on the Baytech at the time, so when I got the opportunity to go and play with, like, a lot of degree students ah. in New York. Did that, like, validate to you? You're like, I, like, I'm clearly better than everyone else like not in an arrogant way <laughs> but kind no but like I, I i imagine having that validation of being like oh, i'm obviously a skilled player well like I, not that i was big-headed but i went to college and like i think the whole reason most musicians go to college is because they want a job at the end of it in music uh-huh. i joined college and i was already a professional musician so i just went for the experience of playing with other musicians my playing age playing every day producing music but, every day well that's what i was doing uh-huh. every day anyway and like when i was at college luckily I only chose to go to be uh, to go to Shiny Row because Tony Wilson was one of the lecturers there, who ah. was a really close friend of my dad's through the club scene. Right. So like, I just went there because Tony gave us a bit of a not leeways and let us get away with stuff. But if I explained like, listen, I can't come in on Friday because I was playing like four or five nights a week ah. around the country. So I just wanted to meet. Well, the, the whole point of going to college was wanting to meet musicians my own age to like join an originals band and then and then the irony is it happened because i met jordan uh, recording a session and then jordan was like i've got loads of songs do you want to play in a band and i was like right so and then after that i'd sort of like i got what i wanted out of going to college really i, right. I already knew that i i was validated enough to be a professional musician i but i suppose <laughs> like youth like i suppose there's ambition and there's kind of like a youthful confidence but at the same time as a musician you hear this whole like malcolm gladwell ten thousand hours whatever Mm-hmm. And you've put the hours in, but you're nowhere near that. And you're only a young lad. So there's got to be an element of like, although I suppose if you've been playing around much older adults, like that kind of question yourself probably died quite early on because you literally just gone around grafting. I, yeah, was, so I was getting paid for it. So right. like as soon as you're getting paid for it and like I was being told I was good at something from a canny early age and I, get, and I was getting coined for it. So like... Ah probably's in a sense it probably wasn't the best thing i probably thought i was better than i actually was at the time and it wasn't until i've got a bit older now like people have like surpassed me now like i a lot of people experience that though i think it's across creative industries sporting industries you know like i played rugby when i was younger there was a lad who just matured he was built Mm -hmm. when he was 13 year old and then everybody caught up to him Mm-hmm. And I imagine it's a similar thing in terms of practice. It's just whether or not people are willing to put the hours in. I think we were talking before about the fact that because you guys are so busy here, which is obviously great, but you hadn't picked up a pair of drumsticks for oh, no, I've, months. I've never played a drum kit since like Vanderbilt's last gig, which was November. Well, we did a live. We did a live session oh, a few months ago. So you played. I but I was like, I was breaking it for that like even before the live session i was like jordan i've got to play a drum kit here like because that's what we were talking about man it was because um like a friend of all of ours amy holford who mm-hmm. what's her eva eva yva she's fantastic isn't she Jordan? yeah 
and actually she's just released some new music so go and check it out on Spotify as well but I think were you she asked doing me and some Jordan. drum work or something well she asked me and Jordan to like session for her in a live video but that, <laughs> and like when she asked I was like oh yeah it's, it's gonna be fine that man it'll just be like 4-4 four, four. should this song that should release should got some like jazz drummer or, like some jazz session drummer from London to record it because she works with some phenomenal oh, musicians oh yeah like, she's yeah, like, like banging to the scene and then then I get these stems back from this jazz drummer in London, and it's like, learn this. You, we're going to record you playing a video <laughs> to it. And I hadn't picked a drumstick up in like Cause a I, year. Because I remember you being like, I am going to have to tap these sticks up. Like, I will have first I will... practice in years. Like, And he's still the next day, okay. And I was like, did you practice last night? He went, no. <laughs> <laughs> so um, in terms of after that New York trip and kind of what did you see yourselves doing? Because I... I've known Jordan for probably about eight to ten years, just through mates, but obviously being like sort of closer mates over the last like four or five years. Mm-hmm. I know that obviously an ambition for a lot of people is to, you know, go into bands, hopefully get signed to that. And Jordan, like you've been in a few bands that have done like reasonably well, but never kind of come to fruition, mm-hmm. probably in a way that a lot of people might have anticipated. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you are on the wave of so- like, well, on the crest of something at the minute with Vanderbilt but where did you see yourself well, at that point when you guys kind of you said being in New York you said being in bands a bit like what was the ambition there to be in a club band <laughs> well no, no. it wasn't I mean like <laughs> Jack and what, I, what, what actually happened I, I, like, I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit um, because me and Jack when we were in New York decided to form a ba- like, a, like an originals band because this is kind of going back to like the, the tunes that I'd written. Because the, the college-based stuff will all, I'm assuming, a lot covers. of the time... A lot of it, Because like, yeah. uh, like jazz band's like a big thing, isn't it, when you go into like colleges and stuff? Not so much. I, I, th- I <laughs> thought, I thought no, like no, I thought in terms like, of like people having to kind of just go through playing art. In your typical American film, maybe, but... Uh, oh, like, no, not like... Whiplash. Not fucking whiplash. No, but I mean in terms of like people having to uh, kind of... Well, you just get put in different ensembles as yes. different... Yeah, I mean, it was just kind of like... It was typical, like, they're all the same, really. You've gone through um, playing, you know, bog-standard tunes and that kind of thing. I just kind of, like, I had these tunes that I'd written, and I was like, Jack, like, do you want to do this? And we will just kind of, like, we, we played a few gigs for a few years... Played a few festivals. It was quite like um, under this original band. Yes. What was the band's name? The Real Divina. Because um, I remember that's when that's when I remember seeing you for the first time, John. I think you might have played in the Little Room at Independent. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah it will have been. So obviously, we, we, you know, that band kind of like ran its course. It was it was quite like sort of poppy uh, soul sort of music, very inspired by like Northern Soul with like and. Well, that's always like been kind of your thing like, as well, I've, isn't it? Yeah, I've always loved that kind of stuff, like the jazzy chords, but really poppy tunes as well. And then the band kind of disbanded. Me and Jack still always did bits and pieces together. We had a room at the bunker in uh, Sunderland, and, you know, we're kind of like... We always, like, had spaces and messed about with tunes, and then Jack went to Hamburg for a bit, didn't you? Yeah, I, I went... Not to do anything musical, I was a shipbuilder, right in Hamburg. But m- actually, me and you were together the day I got the call. I got the phone call. We were visiting a friend in Leeds. He was like, "I've got, I've got to go to Hamburg and work on ships." I've just decided today this is a bit of a change in career, and I was like, Whoa. "Oh, because at the time I was in a function band 
right? And it wasn't doing very well. And this is like one of the points where I was like, oh, am I going to be a musician anymore? Like, ah, sort of getting to the point where I need to get a job. Like, I'm not earning enough for, from being in a function band. It so was, y- your your band had stopped at this point. Yeah, the real me and John were still just yeah, we just, out a little bit. We we're still friends. We still had like a studio space that were rented out, but would go and like we didn't have any pr- particular projects we were working on. Uh-huh. It was just really we're just like jamming and sort of you know coming up with tunes, like and catching stuff. time here and there, yeah. just trying to. And so then go on, Jack. Sorry, you were saying. So we went to Leeds to visit. Our One friend, of our Sam. friends, he was studying down there. Um, and then I just got a phone call. It was like I had the opportunity to go and build ships in a shipyard in Hamburg. And I ended up like... <laughs> I love how he's moving from one shipbuilding community to another. This was <laughs> this was like after we drank about eight steins as well, uh, like a, like a, like a Christmas just... beer festival. <laughs> and uh... So I was like, I am leaving the function band. I'm going to Hamburg. I ended up being like living in Hamburg for like three months. I came home for a bit on my 21st birthday and then went back. And then I was like, I do want a proper job. Like, I want to do music again. <laughs> and I think just around the time after that, Jordan got a phone call from the college we used to be at and was like, do you want to go to New York again? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm... And Jordan was like, I can jack up. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> there was a, well, there was, a spe- there was a spare space. Someone had dropped out for, like, medical reasons. And they were like, oh, does anyone know anyone that might come? And I just like, two seconds, I just rang Jack. I was like, Jack, I was like, we're going to New York, and you want to come? So were we, you in Hamburg at this point? No, I just, think I just got back. back. I just imagine you dropping like a massive spanner and just being like, <laughs> in a bit. But at the, at the, at the, <laughs> just like, get your Stars and Stripes shirt on. <laughs> but John's like, I mean, it's not for another two months. He's like, I'll stay lads for <laughs> But at that time, I was working in a warehouse in Washington. Not Washington, D.C., Washington... Um, God's own country. Yeah, uh, the, the wesh. Um, and, but I was, I was absolutely done in. I hated it. I couldn't stand it. It was like proper mind-numbingly boring. Was this George work. and Asda? Asda George. So I was like packing like knickers and mm. tights and stuff, you know what I mean? Packing them in his bag. Just, you know, walking around like a little <laughs> horny teenager. <laughs> um, Rubbing up again. <laughs> And I was just, but I, I was, I was sick of it. Like nothing against the, the people who were they were all cool, but they just, like I couldn't, I couldn't go and like talk about, you know, the Beach Boys or like stuff that I was into. Uh, they were all just into footy and drinking booze and like. We've all had mates who's done kind of those sorts of jobs, and that seems to be the overarching thing, isn't it? Like if you work in a warehouse or something mm-hmm. like that, it's unfortunate because these people are working hard and. The, the, they know what they are they know what they're doing they're getting money to yeah. come back home and fade the bands and that but when you're someone like us maybe at a younger age and you're going I'm gagging to just talk about music or films or mm-hmm. yeah well that's what I was just wondering about I was talking about creative stuff and no I, one was really there which is fa- which is fair enough and, but and unfortunately when you when you want those creative conversations when mm-hmm. you stop having them you stop becoming creative a lot of the time yeah I think that's even though you can feel it building up inside mm-hmm. you like you haven't got that outlet well I remember having like I was meant to be doing a, a session. I was meant to be doing a session on, well, I did do it on Six Music with Hide and Beast. This is Hide and Beast, I think. This is like yep. loads into the future from where we're at, but go on. Go. No, no, it's it's, uh, it's it's kind of like. Yeah, this is like. Yeah, but I'd, I'd, I'd been working with them and. Lads, I'll tell you what, can't go for a piss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'll start that again because I went a bit too far in the future there. Right. I've got me coffee. Joe's had his way. We're back. I'm talking about me. Uh, so last thing we were talking about is kind of yeah. I was just saying. Uh, so the, the the warehouse that I was working in, 
Um, I remember asking for time off for something. It was it was definitely something on the BBC I was doing with the band. And I just thought, you know, like, I've got this opportunity to go and do something on the BBC, like, with the band that I'm in. So which band is this, Jordan? Oh, I can't remember which one. It might have been a, a session with the, the original band, which I was talking about what yeah. was in with Jack. <laughs> um, it might have been too early for the hide and bass stuff. But I remember just asking yeah. for time off in the term, and they were like, nah, there's any holidays left. And I was like, you do want us, aren't you? Like, you, you, you're going to stop us. I said, I'll, I'll take it unpaid. No, we're going to be too busy. You can't have the time off. And it was just total. I explained to them what it was for as well, and they just didn't care. And what really infuriated us was that Saturday, which the, they weren't going to give us off. Worst thing about it was they were letting everyone leave the shop floor for 90 minutes to go and watch the footy in the canteen. Anyway. And I was just like, so you're not giving me time off to go and play on the BBC with me band, but you're going to let like half of the, or like every bloke who works there go and watch the football for 90 minutes oh, and then what? let them come back to work. So I just booted off and I like, I, I said, I was like, look, if you didn't give us the time off, I'm just going to, I'm just going to stay off because you're letting them do that. And it was that they had this thing called the, the people team where you could go to and talk about like, your sort of rights with your job and stuff. And I just went and said, I was like, look, the thing, like, they can't do that. And they were like, actually, you're right. But this was just kind of like one of the cool little old women who worked in the office who was like, you shouldn't be stopped from doing that. That's mm-hmm. totally wrong. But it was just the managers were all like, no, nah, I'm not giving you the time off. You can't do that. And I just remember being like, that's it. So I, I went to the, I went to the canteen on my dinner break that day when I'd asked for the holiday. And I just rang Jack. I was like, Jack, I was like, like, and I you're back from Hamburg and that now. This is bearing in mind we just got back from New York as oh, well. For the second time. For the second time. <sighs> this was like 2012, 2013. Yeah. And I just said, like, because I'm always like, I, I'm, I'm not into really playing covers and that. Just, it's not really what I enjoy oh. doing. But I, I knew it was a, like a good way of just like making money, but working with your mates and getting to travel. So I was like, should we form a club band? And Jack was like, Aye, he was like, because you were kind of like at the time you were you you weren't gigging with your dad, but I you was were, gigging in another function band. You were kind of like just it was like there was a, like a multiple like there was a few drummers in that band, and you were like taking turns, yeah, so weren't you? This function band was like a really successful function band that were like we went and played at like the Gilgamesh in London, and it was like basically Jewish weddings. We were playing bar mitzvahs. Uh-huh. So and you were like the go-to band. Yeah, but I like mean, that. this was like this was like big money function band stuff. It was like it was a sixteen-piece band we were playing in. But this band travelled with three drummers, and like each drummer would just take a turn at when they played and stuff. And like it was it was class. But like I just wanted the like the raucous club band, like five lads in a van. Like, do you know what I mean? Uh. So, because you could happily just stick to that and, and keep so I, money or whatever. I put this idea to my dad, who at this time was like coming to the end of his career, and my dad was like, "Do you know what?" Which is like mad that I had the opportunity to do that. My dad was like, "He has all of me gear." <laughs> so, like, I walked into it. I went from being a nothing to like a business owner with like a full business and reputation that had been like built of twenty five years from my dad. 
And I was just rang all my mates. I was like, fancy jumping in a van and playing some tunes around the country, like. So I, I, I literally, I mean, at the time, I was working at the warehouse, but I also had another part-time job working at the Sunderland Empire. So I was yeah. working like all the, and I, I love like I love West End shows and stuff. So it was class because I used to like get to sort of like show people at the seats and watch a show. But the you know the money wasn't great doing that, but I was doing that and you know working yeah. and I was teaching at a college like part time as well, like teaching guitar in an evening, and it was just too much. And I was like, you know, it is. I'm gonna just quit everything. <laughs> And see if this function band thing works. It was kind of scary because I remember my dad going, Well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do for money? And he was like, How do you know you're going to make money playing gigs? And I was like, Well, no, it is. I was like, I'm not going to get like 40 uh-huh. and be like, I'm still working in a warehouse and I'm still, mm-hmm. you know, showing people where to sit at the empire. There's no wrong with that, but I just kind of like, I was, I want to know what it's like to go around the country with my mates in a van, like getting wrecked and playing gigs. The thing, the thing is though, is like, we were a really good band and were made like we made loads of money. Yeah. Like like a, a lot a lot of like bands who were like coming up making their own original stuff will do a side project like that just to mm-hmm. form Well that's for... what was good. I mean obviously we, we like always have done like original stuff together anyway. But it was just kinda good that it got to like a a Friday and we're like, where we're gone? It was like, oh we're going to Cornwall. <laughs> where were the next day? Aberdeen. <laughs> oh no! Do you know? Definitely it sounds was... like you need a different manager. <laughs> oh, honestly, man, it was... we were literally ping ponged <laughs> all over the country. The worst one we're done. We done it. Um, we're done an owners party, which is like a Ooh, big I event. Didn't, I didn't do this one. I. It was like a big event for like everyone who owned a caravan at some caravan park, and it right. was in Dover. Nice. So our agent had put us in this caravan park playing this big event and it was like good money so i couldn't say no but this event finished at two o'clock in the morning the next day we were booked to do a show in berwick at 11 (laughs) a.m right so we got the gear down got in the van at two o'clock in dover drove like eight hours to berwick set the gear up and done a gig knee kip knee wash just so you left at 2 o'clock in the morning, got there for 10 in the morning, for 10, went on stage at 11 in the morning. Set the gear up, went on stage for 11 o'clock in the morning. Got there, they were like, lads, need dressing room or out. So they put us in the gym. So like, <laughs> we were just like chilling in some gym in Berwick, like waiting to go on stage at 11. That's so class. It, it was good money though. Thankfully, so. I'd like taken time off or something at, the, oh. at this point. So I, I didn't oh, have George to was never there, man. Oh, I was always taking. I was always, always. He's always the same. Well, I end up. I end up Pro- leaving the band. Like proper craft, Jordy. Well, no, I, I end up leaving the band because I had like I was in like three other bands at the same time. Yeah, slut. Oh. I was. I was Eva, who we mentioned earlier. I was like writing, yeah. touring and gigging with her. I was playing guitar and keyboards and hide and beast, and I was in Lilliput playing keys for Lilliput and writing and touring with them as well. So like. It just got to the point where I was just like, I was looking at my diary and I was going, I actually remember the, 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 the day that I realised that I was like, ah, this is getting too much. You and me went to like a rally in... For Jeremy Corbyn. For Jeremy Corbyn through Newcastle. <laughs> and then went to see Stuart Lee on the night. And I was I was sitting having a pint before I met up with you in the town wall and I was looking at my diary and it was just like, walk up band gigs, walk up band which is the cover band. And they were in on the weekends and I was looking, I was like, for like six weeks off the trot, I was having to take at least one of those days off to either do a gig with Hayden Beast, Lilliput, or uh-huh. Eva. Uh-huh. And I just remember we did this like, this wasn't really like 
thing he'd buy, but would me and Jack had to go on like a big tour of every Pontons in the UK in a week. <laughs> And like, I didn't have to take any time off for that because it was a lot of it was during the week, right? Um, but I, I just looked and I was like, from next week I'm gonna have to take a Saturday off. Then the week after, and it was, mm-hmm. it's, it wasn't like because I, I was kind of gutted in a way because that was a good way for making money. And the other, the other way I was making money at that time, I was also a music lecturer, so I was, I was teaching Monday to Friday mm-hmm. at a college. Jack was picking us up on a Friday. <laughs> We're going on a way like all over the country till sun early hours of Sunday well, morning. Especially the time that Jordan left. Jordan left like two weeks before, like this function band. We went on literally it was like a three month tour. In in three months. It was like sixty dates in three months. I like I, in that time I like slept in my own bed like seven times. So it was like but it was like these three months we were guaranteed like Loads of money, like. But I just said to Jack, I was like, it, it was, I was good because I was thinking I can make loads of money by doing this. But I, the 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 opportunities that I would have yeah, turned yeah. down oh, to I do I the mean, cover bands, like I mean, Jack understood. He was like, I'm good that you're leaving, but I just kind of, I just felt bad because it was like I was ringing up every man and his dog that I knew who could play the guitar, and I was going like, Will you dep for us? I was like, I, I know off the top of my head, I know I was going like. I was ringing these people. I was like, Dipper, can you do next Saturday? Chippy, can you do like next Sunday? But you can't do the Saturday and the Friday. Yeah, yeah. It was just getting to the point where I was, and they were like, well, so I'm not going to work the full week. I'm just working one day. And then they were, I w- it was exhausting for me because a lot of the time they, they couldn't, it wasn't always the same dip. Mm-hmm. And then I was spending like half of my week, them coming around my house and me having to show them how to play the set. And I was I was gutted. I mean, I, to be fair, I ended up going back and joined them again. Like, <laughs> to finish off. <laughs> no, but I, I totally understand well, where Jordan's coming from because even me, like at the time, it was stressful for me, like running a business as such and thinking like, I've got a reputation to uphold and like Jordan's just sending these randomers in Jordan's place of, like, this show that was, like, fully rehearsed. Yeah, yeah. But since then, I've done the exact same thing because, like, going from a covers band, there's this thing. It's not that, like, I've got nothing against anyone that plays covers and, like, I've earned a load of money from doing it. But as soon as the opportunity arises to go and play a venue, playing your own stuff... Mm-hmm. It's like a no-brainer. Like even it, if, it has to be really to go, even if you go and do it for it. like a lot of these gigs, playing your own stuff, you don't get any money from it. Uh-huh. And you're like, you're doing the same amount of traveling. You're sitting in a van for the same amount of time as you uh-huh. would be in a function band. You're going down to Cornwall <coughs> to play, play these gigs, but for nay money because you'd because much rather play your own songs for nay money. Oh, you drop everything, wouldn't you? You mm-hmm. get like you, you know, like the money you'll have to cover, like the van. And the accommodation, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you scran as soon as as soon as that's covered, you kind of like we're, we're not doing it at a loss, but we're just breaking even, mm-hmm. really. But it, it it is. It's kind of like we now thought like oh, well, obviously Jack ended up leaving the, the cover band as well a few years ago. But um, I, I think like now we've kind of got this point, which is really nice, is that we can now both work in the music industry still making a living from doing music mm-hmm. but like it's, it's very creative because we get to produce other artists mm-hmm. we also like work together in an original band now Vanderbilt um, but it, it, and obviously like we rehearse in this space which is really yeah. cool um, but, but, but before we get to like the studio and stuff mm-hmm. let's like backtrack and just think so Jack's been in Hamburg you've been 
in and out of the covers band and stuff. He's have had your own original projects. He's been mm-hmm. sort of like pissing about with daft little bits and bobs here and there. Jack, if anybody doesn't know, ran a pub up until very recently. Very recently. So all the while he was managing this pub at the yeah. same time as trying to make money through music, trying to be in an originals band or anything like that. So he's keeping his finger in the industry, but at the same time he's got a dear job. Jordan's been through God knows how many bands. Um, he's working creatively alongside Amy with Lily put on and off, mm-hmm. Hayden Beast, Martin Longstaff. So at what point did you think, well, I might as well put this money to good use that I've made? Mm-hmm. And where did this, like, at what point was the studio born from that? The studio thing came from, as I say, I mentioned earlier, I was a music lecturer for like three and a half, four years. Like, not year, like academic years. Um, and I was teaching a bit of everything, like music theory, yeah. um, practical stuff, but predominantly for the first few years, it was music production and live it, it, sound. Even just one-to-one lessons as well, weren't you? you like, yeah, you I used to, to do like one-to-one, st- still do one-to-one lessons and, yeah. you know, work in schools, teaching guitar and piano. But um, yeah, I, I was I was doing a lot of studio work with um, like the st- students who, you know, were interested in live sound and music production. And I kind of like I thought I was I was doing all these lectures and these seminars on recording techniques and you know engineers from back in the sixties all the way through to modern day and it's something that I've always been really passionate about and when I was a kid probably from the age like thirteen fourteen I really got into recording always had a little home studio and just in my spare time like you know rather than going out and getting lashed on that when I was underage I used to just sit and read about you know Brian Wilson and Phil Spector and stuff like that and I think I got the age when I was I was about 24 25 I started lecturing when I was like 23 24 so probably 25 26 and I was thinking I'm teaching all these kids how to run a recording studio and I've always wanted to run my own recording studio and I'm telling them to like I'm telling them who are only like 16, 17 to go like, you know, this is what you need to do to run a recording studio. This is how you set one up. And I was going through like business plans of like how to run a recording studio. I was like, why don't I just do that myself? Do you know what I mean? I'm still only like 25. Um, How how do I go about this? And I remember I'd, I was just off for the summer in like 2016. And I just sort of did a bit of research on you know, how to, like, run a recording studio. I'd been to loads of recording studios. Like, our our friend Rob, who runs Whitewood Recording Studios in Liverpool, would recorded the Lilliput album there earlier that year. I just remember being in there, and I was like, this gay is mint. And, like, Because you so said Rob's cool. studios just... Oh, it's like... Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's ridiculous. The equipment like, he's got, yeah. Like, outboard gear. Like, vintage stuff as well. You just kind of... And I just really like envied that. I was like, that's his job. He gets to come to a recording studio every day and like record bands and produce people. So I just sort of looked into it and I went for a few meetings with like um, business advisors and there's a few places in Sunland which will help you out and give you advice on, you know, where you could look for space. And basically like the woman who was kind of giving us advice, her husband 
had was renting out spaces in this building where we are now. Yeah. And she's like, do you want to go and have a look at it? This is how much it is a month. And it was quite expensive, really. Is this, is this on tie? Yeah, yeah. So I, w- I was looking at the space, and it was like for the small room, it was like 150 a month. And for the big room, it was 180 And I was like, do I just take on one room? Bear in mind, I had like no clients. I'd, I'd, I'd produced freelance. I'd, I used to like record, take portable equipment, the band's yeah. rehearsal space. So they used to come around my flat and I'd produce them, but never kind of enough to go, right, I'm going to just start having bands walk through the door. Um, so I was like, do I just take the punt? So while I knew I was st- I was still working as a lecturer, I was like, well, I'll just take the space on and I'll just pay for the space using me wages as if I'm like paying rent for a flat. Yeah. Um, and hopefully it'll pick up. And So anyway, to, to cut a long story short, like it got to the Christmas and there were... The, the the college that I worked at used to run an A-level alongside a BTEC National Diploma and a degree. And they changed the whole way the A-level was working and it became more classical. And it, basically they took on no students, none, like none of the students, because they were all like... What, so just no students signed up to this yeah, course? Yeah, basically because they were all contemporary musicians. They had no interest in you know, studying yeah. the classical side. And they ran the classical side for like a year with the, ex- with the existing A2 lot. And you could just tell they were just like, I didn't want to, you know, talk about Tchaikovsky and Bach and stuff like that. And I was like, I thought, well, that's fair enough. So they ended up axing the A level. They just cut it. So straight away, like, there was loads of hours being cut at the college. And I was only working through, like, the college's agency at the time. So obviously I was at the first, I was, I was in the firing line for like any hours to be cut. Um, Which is a shame because so, you've obviously worked for them for a good few years. Yeah, but I, I was, it was one of those things and they were obviously aware as well that I'd started running a recording studio. Like I'd, I'd start one up and, I, and I, I knew I was working, my friend Helen was working there at the same time as an agency lecturer. And I just thought, well, you know, they were divvying the hours out between us. And we're going, well, we'll give Helen some of these and we'll give Jordan some of these. And I just thought, you know what it is? Like, I've done it now. And I really enjoyed it and it was great. But I thought, like, rather than just coming in for, like, a few days a week at odd hours, I just thought it would be easy just if Helen had all of those hours. And I just focused on trying to get the recording studio off the ground. So that's what I did. And I just thought, right, well, I'll I'll tell them I'm going to leave in, like, the January or whenever it was. Um, and by that point, I've I've got no choice but to 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 get the studio off the ground. So I was coming in after I was finishing work. I was coming down to like paint the space by myself, fit it all out by myself. I got my uncle came down and helped us put like all the wood flooring down and build all of the acoustic panels. And it was like literally, I was just having to use any spare time when I wasn't planning my lessons or teaching. I was having to come down and do that. But it was a it was sort of like a labour of love anyway. Like I, I was enjoying it because I could see this sort of studio coming together. Um, and I saw... I th- so then I just kind of said to this... Oh, I'm, I'm still good mates with that. everyone at the college. There was no, like... Bad blood. Bad blood or anything. I just, it was just sort of like a, a natural progression. And Wasn't it, though, one of... Like, funny enough, one of your first sessions in here was the cover band. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jack was like... Jack was like, oh, well, if you're looking to, like... If you're looking for some work... He was like, I need to like do some promo. Do some it? promo. So he was like, 
I just said, well, I'll just eat at like a reduced rate and just record. I mean, we're, we're in here for like three or four days off the bus, staying. I mean, I'm sure one day we stayed at like three or four o'clock in the morning. Oh, it, was it had to be done. It was ridiculous the hours we were doing. We were working like 18 hour days and stuff just to get this like promo EP done. For the covers band that Jack was doing, which never ever got anywhere. Nah, it was, he was basically doing it to like they were going to print some CDs to sell, just to kind of like you know even like make, pay, some, extra make some extra money while they were away. So I remember doing that, and it was quite nice because I was like, oh, like it went like full circle, like the the yeah. you know the lads in the band. I got I got to see them all again. But yeah, so I and, and like that that's how I ended up forming the studio. So. Uh, at what point, because obviously you've got your clients coming in, you've got kind of your day-to-day is going really well in terms of the studio when you buy yourself. But at what point do you think I could probably reach out to somebody that would help me make this better than what it is? I think it was like, well, I'd, I'd done it from 2016 through to 20. 19 I think like, by that, myself that'll, like, it'll have been 2019 yeah, when you 2019. Started, I so, yeah. and I just kind of think it was just the day to day thing was I was getting bands in but I, I felt like I wasn't pushing myself where I was thinking we've got the space and there's more that could be done here than just recording bands and, and you could have happily stayed what you were doing I could have happily just kept on doing that you know I what think I mean? when Jordan originally asked me I, I don't know it's, it's a bit of a blur to me but I think it was more the video side of stuff, wasn't it? I think Jordan had a, had all these ideas of like he wanted to shoot like live session videos mm-hmm. for bands and stuff. And, and Jack's always time, been really good at that. Yeah. When during during this covers band, like I developed this passion for video and editing videos. So when I was traveling the country, I would make these vlogs every week. I'd make a vlog and post it, and I got really into video. And then. A lot happened in between that time, but I think in the pub again, Jordan was like, "Ah, you can't go to videos. Like, I want to do videos at the studio. Would you be interested in like doing this video thing together?" And then, like five pints later, it was like, "Do you just want to run the recording studio with us?" <laughs> and I was like, "Ah, I'll get you some money." <laughs> and then, and then, like, because obviously, when when I'd first opened the studio, I I spend like loads of money on gear. Yeah, and Jack was like. I'd never really thought of this, but Jack was like, well, to make it fair, he was like, why don't I just pay for half of the gear? So we've got a complete 50%. And I was like, all right. So it's a like, proper two-person investment now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so now we own all of this gear together. And, like, but what's, what was good was when we first kind of... Because obviously Jack had the 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 pub and the um, the function band in the past as well. Jack knew a lot about kind of, like, developing the business and I, because I'd never I'd only that I'd never run the business for like a few years by myself just as a sole trader and you've even admitted that obviously you had to go and get loads of advice initially yeah kind of, of course I didn't you were like, doing like, what you were doing just on the fly and yeah. learning as you went well, Jack was like well why don't we? we've got like X amount of bands booked in he was looking at my current bookings that I'd already like had and he was like well as long as we're in like a financial situation where we can you know we're, we're not worried about money I had money aside anyway from jobs that I'd had on. Jack still had the pub. He was like, why don't we go, like, write these next five jobs? We're not going to take any money from it. We're just going to use to, like, make the studio better. Mm -hmm. And that was something that I hadn't really done in the past because I was just like, whatever I'd made from recording bands, 
was like my earnings. Yeah. And as long as I, the only thing I was doing was putting money aside for tax and stuff like that. And Jack was like, well, why not like that money that you, that, that we've got in for these next few bands, stash that aside, you know, buy more acoustic paneling, buy some better lighting, do this and like we'll treat the room a bit better and just invest. Yeah, just, just invest, invest yeah. In, into the in, invested back into the studio. Because essentially you were seeing it as my peer coming in. Yeah, of course I was. Rather than all like what can I do? Because it was consistent as well. But we but by <laughs> but so our first investment was right, five hundred quid. We're gonna make a vocal booth. Oh, I don't want to mention the vocal booth like the, the cupboard. The, the cupboard. cupboard. So we did we made it absolutely class. We like treated it all properly. It was like this vocal booth, five hundred pounds worth of decoration and acoustic treatment and materials. Material. And, like... and also, what's quite difficult with stuff like that is obviously I've been in there mm-hmm. to walk in. You wouldn't think there's five hundred pound being spent. That's no, not, no, not, not, not just not, like, not, not anymore. It's, it's not a derogatory thing. Yeah. But in the sense of that's the sort of thing where that's, that's nobody's coming in, gone. Eyes oh, have decorated, blah, this looks class. You've got this new thing. It just looks like a black room. Mm-hmm. That's, but the don't, like, it's one of those things yeah, where yeah. aesthetically you're not realizing what's actually gone into this. Well, and then what happened, Jordan? Well, basically, <laughs> we entered a pandemic. No. <laughs> this isn't a good advert for the studio. No, well, let's like, cut this bit <laughs> <laughs> Snip, snip. Uh, um, so, yeah, so basically that brings us to now, really. So, what do you think? Jordan. Yeah. Jordan Miller. Yeah. Go on, Jordan. Be it on. What has Jack brought to Motorhouse Studio that you didn't have? So much, like, just... I think just, like, kind of, like, drive and energy. Like, a lot of it's kind and of, like... he can drive. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's no, helpful. But, but it, it, like, it, in terms of, like... Well, I'll, I'll come up with an idea, and Jack will go, I would imagine just doing it this way. And I'm like, oh, actually, that makes more sense. You know what I mean? I think yeah. sometimes I'll like, I'll come up with an idea, and it might be down the line. I'll look back and go like, mm, I probably should have done that this way. Whereas it's better now because if if I've got an idea or something, Jack will just go, well, just date that way instead. Or like, don't oh. do it. Or just don't do it. Sometimes it's just not, idea. You, you need somebody. And obviously, to Jack say comes no. up with loads of class ideas that I would never have thought of. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, it's just good. Like I think it's the just being like. Being a partnership, it's like holding each other accountable to yeah. ideas that you come up to, up uh-huh. with. Because, I mean, Jordan comes up with loads of class ideas where, I mean, we're both doing, like, I think everyone's a culprit of going to the pub and coming up with all these ideas. And uh-huh. never doing them. Where now, me and Jordan go to the pub together, come up with all these ideas together, and then it means implementing them together. So, mm-hmm. like... Uh-huh. it's Accountability is a massive thing for business. Like, it's, it, it's also communication. Luckily, these are both in the band together you just work together mm-hmm. I mean it's it's a lot of people work together don't socialise together but mm-hmm. you just do like everybody's in one big kind of group of friends mm-hmm. who are creative creatively minded whether or not it's actively creating or have an active involvement in yeah. do you know what I mean like being interested in sort of like culture and stuff like that well it just goes back to like the thing Jordan was on about about working in that environment where like you almost feel like when you're not being creative in the warehouse, for yeah. instance, and then all you feel of a like sudden, a bit of an outsider. Like all of a sudden, me and Jordan are in this recording studio together, with which half the time it doesn't even feel like we're, we're working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're just and but we spend all of our time now with 
creative people doing creative things. Well, there's no real better place to work, really, is there, among creative people and doing creative things. I suppose that's working in a record studio. That's exactly what you want, isn't it? Oh, totally, man. Right, well, I think that's a perfect way to wrap up there. Jordan, that was a lovely little response. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, I just want to thank everybody for listening. Um, it's been really nice to sit and chat with Jordan and Jack from Motorhouse. Uh, the Motormouth podcast will be back in some way, shape or form. We're not quite sure when, but very similar conversations being had with each other, just talking through industry stuff, production, just musically, just having a general crack on probably once every week, but we'll just see how it's going. Um, so yeah, until then, thank you very much. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. See ya.